God empowered his children to do things far beyond that of mortal men. God has empowered us to do things that are impossible. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through a series on the Holy Spirit. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. invite all of you, before you buy anything, pray. Before you sell anything, pray. Before you move anywhere, pray. And say, Lord, you open, close the doors according to your will. I don't, and people say, but God might say no. I've actually had people tell me that. I've actually thought it. If I pray about this, God will say no. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. As you mature in the Lord, you will appreciate God's no as much as his yes. You will appreciate his weight as much as you will, as much as you will appreciate any other thing that God does for you. Don't think because you pray and something doesn't immediately happen that God did not hear you. That's a lie of the devil. That's how the devil works. He sows doubt into people's minds who are Christians. If you pray, you're a child of his, you're not practicing, and I'm not saying we don't sin, but I'm saying you're not in a practiced sinful lifestyle in some way. You're going to see the power of God. And when you feel the Holy Spirit unction you, step out in faith and see what God's going to do. That makes the Christian life experience. You start having the Holy Spirit move and you start seeing what God does. Ooh, that gets me excited. What else are you going to do, God? What are you going to do next? You know, I don't believe following Jesus around as his disciples did. I don't think there was ever a dull moment. I mean, there was always something happening. Jesus is going through the crowds and a woman yells out. uh, Jesus stops and he said, somebody touch me. And they said, Jesus, a lot of people are touching you. You're in a crowd right now. And he goes, no, somebody touched me for a reason. And he turned around and there was a woman there that had an issue of blood. She spent all of her money, all of her life uh, uh, trying to get rid of this disease. And she thought if I could only touch the hem of his garment, I'd be healed. See, she stepped out in faith and God healed her. Did Jesus not notice that? No, he noticed. But why did he notice? To chew her out and say, how dare you touch me? No, he said, your faith has made you whole. You see, we need to step out in faith, friends. We have our lice, little comfortable little white picket fences. And I don't want to have anybody disrupt that. God is the number one disruptor of picket fences. And I pray that God gives you the holy boot to make you say, wow, God, your world is so much bigger. You see, the Jewish nation thought that they had arrived 
because they were descendants of Abraham. And they always tell Jesus said, well, our father Abraham. Yeah, but what about you, dude? You see, we don't inherit our relationship with God. It is something that individually we go after. But pride said, hey, no, you're a child of, uh, uh, of Abraham. So therefore, nothing more needs to be done. Bam, blinded and still blinded, unfortunately, this day. God takes away the blinders. What causes that? It's when we step out in faith, we have a relationship with God, and we say, okay, from now on, not me, but you live through me. That's what God does. Yeah, you can take your abilities, talents, charms, and use them on yourself. Yes, you can. Or you can use them for God. Let's read on. We're going to see what goes on here. It says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness... Let's just stop right there, because if we read the rest of this, we're going to get depressed. To be tempted by the devil. (laughs) Isn't that weird? He was led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Why is that? God's refining process. Never, ever, friends, be scared of God's refining process in your life. Well, if I really get saved and I really start serving God, what what will God do to me? He's going to refine you. He's going to build you up in the most holy faith. He's going to train you like a soldier is trained by their corporals. Why? Because, friends, we are all in a battle. Now, somebody might say, well, Mike, I'm not a Christian. I just come here. Somebody drug me in here by my ears. I see the black heel marks all the way to your chair. I just got drug in here. I'm I'm just here. (laughs) Whether you know it or not, you're in a battle too. See, the only thing separating you from eternal death is time. And until Jesus takes over your life, you're going to find yourself miserable. You you don't even know why you're on this earth. You'll never know. No person apart from Christ ever knows why they're on this earth. The only time you'll know that is when you accept Christ as your Savior. That's it. So that's why you find so many different goofy things people do to find meaningful experience of life. So when we accept Christ as our Savior, we go, oh, I'm about your thing now. God, show me what you want me to do. God says, okay, you're the only one that's ever been here like you. You're the only one that'll ever be like you after you leave. So this is what I want you to do. Oh, okay, great. And we do that. So Satan comes to Jesus. The Bible says after Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry, I'd imagine so. Now when the tempter came to him, He said, now notice, if you're the son of God. Now, this word in the Greek is is not the word, are you, maybe. It's it's subjunctive in that it says, since since you're, is what he's really saying. You're the son of God. Command these stones to become bread. Remember, Jesus could have turned the whole mountain into bread if he wanted to. But what does he say? Jesus answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is why I believe, friends, expository teaching of the Bible is so important in church, in your home life, whatever it is. If you don't know God's word, you're not going to be able to fight off the devil. Because the devil ain't scared of church teaching that is self-realization, positive confession, motivational speaking. Get out there. You can do it. Look for that inner light. 
within you. Those things don't scare the devil. But what does put the devil to flight, as Jesus says here, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You have a rock for your salvation. You have a basis for what you believe. So you never, friends, never, ever forget who you are. You are a child of God. When's the last time when you were praying, you just said, Daddy, I need help. You see, religion takes away Daddy and makes it like an unknowable cosmic ooze beyond the farthest stars. Notice he says, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This really was the devil appealing to his flesh. Now, when we understand the tactics of the enemy, it helps us recognize what they are, and then we can build defense for it. The first one is, and if you like to write by the verses three and four, you might want to write the word flesh. Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And Satan said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning you in their hands, lest they should bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now, this is really weird. If you're on the pinnacle of a temple, and you hear a voice says, throw yourself off of here. Friends, that's suicide. And then he quotes a verse, and he doesn't quote it right. Now, this is important. A couple of things here. First thing is, the devil knows the scripture. You got to realize that. Do you recognize that every cult in the world lays some claim to the Bible? I don't care what cult it is. Oh, Jesus was a really good teacher. Yeah, he was a good teacher. Well, every cult in the world lays claim to the Bible, but they twist it. And so Satan twists it. What he's quoting here is out of Psalms 91, 11, and 12. But this is what Satan leaves out. He shall give his angels charge concerning you. Now, this is what he left out. To keep you in all of thy ways, all of God's ways. You see, when you're in Christ... You're divinely protected by him. You've got the, the bubble of the Holy Spirit around you. <laughs> I look at those two prophets in the book of Revelation. And the Bible says that the world tries to kill them, but by whatever means they try to kill the prophets, they themselves are killed. I don't know whether they lob a hand grenade at him and it goes, I don't know. Nothing can happen to them until their testimony is completed. Once their testimony is completed, God takes that bubble off of them. They're allowed to be killed. They lay in the streets of Jerusalem dead. The world exchanges gifts, and the Bible says the entire earth sees them laying dead in the streets of Jerusalem. And by the way, up to the time of satellite television, that prophecy would have been impossible. Now we know it's true. An event can happen around the world, and it's on your TV set in seconds. How is that? Satellite television. The prophets are dead. The prophets are dead. Here, have a present. And then the Bible says in three days, they didn't even give them a burial. They just let them lay in the street. And there's a voice from heaven. Come up here. The two dead prophets stand on their feet and ascend into heaven. I can just see the CNN cameraman going, whoa. That's something you don't see every day. But that's what the Bible says. Whole world's going to see it. So when we understand that... God gives his angels charge over us to keep us in all of his ways. We stay in that bubble. 
Friends, always stay in the bubble of the protection of God. That's where the power of God is. That's where the miracles are. That's where the excitement is. Otherwise, we become lame and and we have just a, a dead relationship with God. Boy, dead orthodoxy will take your heart away from God faster than anything else. So the first one we find, verses three and four, the flesh. Now we find Satan appealing to the pride of life, saying, jump off of here. That's, well, that's, uh, if you jump off, you're going to die unless the angels do bear you up. By the way, if you ever hear a thought of suicide in your mind, guess where it come from? Satan. So if you ever hear, why don't you just, just kill yourself? That's the devil. Recognize the voice. You'll know who it is. So he appeals to the pride of life. And it says, Jesus said, and it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. By the way, in this particular place, many people believe that Jesus was actually telling Satan, I'm your Lord, don't tempt me. I think that's pretty important. Verse 8, again, oh, by the way, the word again is there, circle that. Why? He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He'll try a different, if that one didn't work, he'll try another angle. If that doesn't work, he'll try another angle. If that doesn't work, he is a master of morphing into something else to get you knocked off the purpose that God has for you. Notice he says, again, the devil took him to an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Isn't it funny that Satan claimed all the kingdoms of the world? Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't go neener, neener, neener? No, they're not. He recognized that the kingdoms of this world were turned over to Satan in a deal made back in the garden when man refused to listen to God. See, God said, tend the earth. Do anything you want here, just don't eat of that tree. Satan said, he just don't want you to be God yourself. You eat of this tree, you'll be as smart as he is. You'll be a God yourself. And we remember what happened. The Bible says they ate of the tree. They obeyed Satan rather than God, and man sold the world into sin. The first Adam took us all down. The second Adam, Jesus Christ brought us all back up again, restored it. That's the good news. He says here, all these things I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. What does the devil try to offer you? Me. All these things. Junk. I've been to yard sales, I know. But when you stop to think about it for a minute, what is worth your soul? Nothing. What is worth your purpose that God put you on this earth for? Nothing. What is going to heaven from this earth, materially speaking? Nothing. The only thing going from this life into the next one is people. And what oftentimes do we spend the least amount of time on making sure those people go there? God in his love realigns our purpose, realigns the reason we're here, so we don't forget our father, we're his kids, big lost world. Pretty simple, really, when you think about it. Yet it gets convoluted because the devil will offer things of the world, kingdoms of the world. He offered them here to Jesus. All the kingdoms are mine. Mine, whomever I want to give them to, if you'll bow down and worship me. What did Jesus come to do? He came to redeem the lost world. Satan says, hey, how about a shortcut? You wanted to save the world. (laughs) I'm the guy that can give it to you. 
Notice what Jesus says. By the way, if you'll fall down and worship me. Shortcut. You know, it's funny. Jesus didn't argue with him. He said, away with you, Satan. For it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. We're going to stop right there this morning. The devil will, that's the Bible says, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. The Bible says he will do that. Knowing the wiles of the enemy, knowing how the devil operates, gives us insight in how he desires to stop you and me from doing what God wants us to do. Now, there's a lot of things that he can do. Sometimes it's appealing to your flesh. Look how good you are. Oh, you're this, you're that. Sometimes, oh, and by the way, this is the lust of the eyes. You have three things. In fact, we find it outlined in the book of James for us. The lust of the eyes and, and, uh, and also in the book of John or epistles of John. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life will drain the life right out of you. And so appealing to his eyes, all the kingdoms are mine. All this stuff. Jesus wasn't wowed by it. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. By the way, Satan once did that. But he rebelled against God when the Bible says pride entered his heart. You see, pride will always blind a person to the reality of who they are. Whether it be the Jewish nation, because we're descendants of Abraham, our pride blinds us for the need of anything spiritual. Or whether it's Satan who once served God, but because he said, I will ascend and be as the most high, as it says in Isaiah 14, the Bible tells us that he was, his position was revoked. His access to heaven has not yet been revoked. The Bible says he accuses the brethren day and night. We find halfway through the book of Revelation that his ability to do that is taken away. He can no longer go into heaven ever again. Thank God. He comes down to this world, the Bible says, three and a half years into the tribulation period. He knows his time is short and he makes havoc of this world. In fact, Revelation 16 says, unless those days were shortened, there'd be no flesh saved. That's how bad it gets. I'm kind of humored a little bit about those that don't believe in the rapture. And Jesus said, as in the days of Noah were, in in, um, Matthew chapter 24, as in the days of Noah were, were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It says they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, party time. If you look at it, that's what it's describing. A, A society very much, I think, like ours. But when you read the second coming of Christ, not the rapture, but the second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation period, this world is toast. The water's undrinkable. Every living thing in the sea has died. The seas and the ocean, the waters have turned to blood. It isn't eat, drink, and be merry. It is mere survival. That's why I believe that Jesus there in Matthew 24 was speaking of the rapture. As in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. But the second coming of Christ, he comes to a war called the Battle of Armageddon, where all the kingdoms of the world have gathered in the Valley of Megiddo there in Israel to fight. And right when they're fighting each other, they see Jesus coming. And so they stop fighting each other and decide to fight him. And the Bible says, as high as the horse's bridle, blood is splattering everywhere. It's such a bloodbath. And you know who's with Jesus when he comes back at that second coming? The Bible tells us, you, I like that. Jesus, we're his bride. Jesus, macho, 
impressing his bride, he goes out without us and slaughters all the rebellious people. It's amazing. Now, I don't know all about riding horses. We'll probably have to talk to Mary about that. But the Bible says we come back with him on horses. I like that. I don't know about that, but you sure get a good vantage point from that height. And the Bible says that Jesus sets out and he neutralizes the rebellion of the world. Sets up his thousand-year reign, and the Bible says you're going to rule and reign with him this morning. I want to make sure that's what you're going to do. I can't make the decision for you. For If I could, I would. But the thing is, the Bible says that you are his children. And you know, as children, and he's our God, we need to be about our daddy's business. Have you spent 10 minutes this week to ask him what it is? If you haven't, you need to start. The Bible says we pass from death unto life. Orphan to a father. This morning's your day. And if you'd like to pray and ask Christ in your life, if you said, I'm I'm done with the games, I'm repenting. And repenting means I've lived my life, I've seen the foolishness of it, I've seen my hobbies burn a lot of my time only to produce nothing in the long run, and I go from one hobby to another hobby to another thing to another thing, always looking like a ship with its rudder broken off, just being blown by the wind. And by the way, what the Bible tells us, according to the course of this world. The word course in the Greek is really a rudderless ship. (laughs) You're just blown by whatever the wind is doing. Whatever the fad, whatever the thing, whatever Hollywood tells you to do, baby, that's you. And you do all those things only to find your life destroyed. If you're tired of that, this morning's your day. We're going to pray right now. You can accept Christ as your Savior. It's an introduction. It's, it's taken from many places in the Bible, but it's, it's where we say, okay, God, from this day forward, I don't want that anymore. I want what you have for me because I want to be your child. And the Bible says we pass from death unto life. That's great. If you need that this morning in your life, let's pray right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I invite you into my life today. I know I have lived without you. But from this day forward, I repent. And I ask you to come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me step out in faith. And God, direct my life each day. Thank you for eternal life with you and I will trust you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.